boys and ghouls, freaks of the fright, maniacs and the cob. Today's episode of South Jersey Horror, I am accompanied by a very outstanding director, Mr. Jeremiah Kipp, who is a New York City-based writer, producer, and director with over 10 years' experience creating narrative and commercial films. Through his work, he has proven the ability to provide the highest level of visual direction, story development, and work with actors. Some of his works may include, and you probably do recognize and do sound familiar to you, is Blake Wake, starring Tom Sizemore, Pickup, starring Jim True Frost, Mastermind, starring Chris Sarandon, Edward Albee, a transformative moment, starring Mercedes Rule and Bill Irwin. I hope I pronounced that name right. <laughs> the Sadist, Tom Savini, The Pod, Larry, Larry Fre Fresenden, Contact, The Days God Slept, Easy Prey, The Apartment, and you have produced some awesome films of Satan Hates You, created by Glass Eye Pick, starring the awesome Angus Scrim. God rest his soul. Rest his um, soul. Michael Berryman, who's a very cool guy to talk to, and Reggie Bannister, who I'm hoping I get to interview one of these days because I loved him in the Phantasm franchise. And I can't pronounce um, in Montauk. I'm not sure if I did that in right Montauk, or not. Yeah. Okay. And The Bed Thing, directed by Pulitzer Surprise, nominated Matt Zoller Seats. I guess I pronounced that right too. I'm not I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. And much, much more. So now you directed Slapface, which is now a Shutter original. Congratulations for Shutter picking that up because that is an outstanding achievement. Thank and you. it's not very often films like this get picked up by Shutter. So because the the main platform that a lot of people watch horror movies on. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the awesome, the talented Mr. Jeremiah Kipp. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks for taking the time to talk. No, thank you. This is an absolute honor and pleasure. Um, you are the first director that I've interviewed. Hey, man, um, I, I'll be the, the first of many, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, while, well, just to say about Reggie Bannister, I hope you do get to talk to him. That guy is incredible. And uh, he he is like the person that he plays in the Phantasm movies is the person that he is in real life. There's really no separation between cool ice cream guy, Reggie and, uh, and actor working on your movie, Reggie. Like he's a real, he was a really great guy, completely down to earth. And, uh, I'm sure he has many Phantasm stories if you get to talk to him. Well, maybe you can help me out. <laughs> I'll, try. With him. <laughs> I'll try. His wife sets them up. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly happy to reach out. I did email his wife several times mm -hmm. requesting interviews, but I heard nothing back. This was about a month and a half ago, so gotcha. I'm going to have to try again, maybe. I don't know. So, Slapface. I watched it. I'm impressed. And to me, it, like you said, it is a monster movie. And what I gathered from watching it, and I could be wrong, um, it's like a manifestation of his imagination. I'm not too sure. That's, that, that's how it goes. Possibly. You know, like, uh, I, I, you know, the, the game that we're playing with the audience is, uh, is the monster real or is it not? Which, you know, like, and I'm, and that's not, I'm not the first film to do that. Like the, the great 1992 Candyman plays with that a lot too. Like is Helen cracking up or is Candyman real? Uh, and you know, with this movie, you know, certainly Candyman 92 was a big inspiration. It's like, is the monster real or not? And when people ask me, is the monster real or is it just a manifestation of the kid's mind? I always say on Sesame Street, nobody believed Big Bird when he said, uh, Mr. Snuffleupagus is my friend. They're like, oh, your imaginary friend. 
So uh, maybe we can answer those questions in uh, Slapface 2. But whether the monster is real or not, you know, the Slapface is about uh, a boy named Lucas who's 12 years old living in a lower income rural environment. His parents are dead and he's being raised by his drunken older brother uh, who uh, who disciplines his younger brother by playing this game called Slapface of the title, which is like, I will hit you as hard as I can. And you will hit me back just as hard. So a kid like that living in such an abusive household certainly needs a friend. And uh, he, he finds one in uh, by manifesting this switch. Uh, uh, and, um, and then as the boy and the monster's friendship grows and deepens, let's just say shit hits the fan and uh, <laughs> things get worse for everybody involved, let the bodies hit the floor. Uh, so, uh, but it, it was a film that I was really passionate about making. It was, uh, it was not my first feature. You know, it's, as you said, you know, like I've done quite <clears> a few <throat> work for higher jobs and worked with some really great people. My first feature was The Sadist, which was a killer in the woods movie starring Tom Savini as the killer. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, like after that was a lesbian vampire movie called Teresa and Allison and then Black Wake, which was H.P. Uh, Lovecraft inspired. Everything in the kitchen sink, zombies, parasites exploding out of people's heads, elder gods erupting out of the ground. Tom Sizemore's a cop, you know, trying to... <laughs> <laughs> trying to solve things, but none of those jobs were, uh, were originated by me. I was, I was hired to direct them. I worked with many amazing people and uh Slapface was a script that I'd written that I was trying to get made for many years. And finally got to the point where uh, I made a short film version of it that did festivals for a couple of years. And that's how I got the attention of the producers, uh, Mike Manning, Joe Benedetto, Joe Benedetto and artist man Hooper who found the investors and put up the money and got slap face made, uh, which was, which was years in the making, but uh, I'm really grateful for those producers and the investors for, uh, for saying, yeah, we want to do it. And they're, and they're all as happy as can be because, you know, we put the film out into the world and uh, we were really grateful that Shudder uh, saw the film and loved the film and really got behind the movie as a Shudder original, which was great. Uh, and I love Shudder's content. I think that we live in a world where if you watch Shudder, you can watch Psycho Goreman one night and the next night you can watch Terrifier one and the next night you can watch Slapface and the next night you can watch the Adams Family's great witch movie uh, uh, Hellbender uh, and everything in between. You can watch a HP Lovecraft glory hole movie called Glorious, you know, like there's everything, you know, everything is, you know, if you're a genre fan that loves all sorts of different kinds of movies as I am. Uh, Shutter is just a wonderful home for that sort of thing. I am. I, I do love every subgenre, but I do have a favorite though: um, possessions and exorcisms. Oh yeah, I, I can't <laughs> get enough. What's of your favorite? What's your favorite possession and exorcism movie? Oh, well, of course, The Exorcist, hands down. Oh, of I mean, course, that's classic. But then again, um, I did interview Sarah Lind, who played Molly Hartley in The Exorcism, Molly Hartley. Outstanding. That was a good movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I that's I'm always drawn to that. And I don't know why. It's, it's you, a weird thing. Are you like a lot of uh, my Catholic friends really loved The Exorcist? Is it is there any of that like that informs your fear of demonic possession, or is it or is it more that you're just fascinated by like what happens? In those I'm movies? just fascinated by by what happens. 
So, yeah. um, of course, there is. I, I do um, devil into. I almost said devil. <laughs> delve <laughs> into <laughs> into the different religions. You know, yeah. I, I looked up Buddhism. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the religion for the Egyptians, but um, they had their own thing, and it's everything. I, I looked into everything, and but Catholicism is is fascinating and how the mind works with the theology and all that stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. I'm just drawn to it. I don't know why mm -hmm. it's, it's just fascinating. So yeah. But, um, slap phase is, well, I think it's more like a supernatural movie because, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, cause you had me convinced. I thought the witch was real. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people do, uh, you know, it's, I think the audiences are 50, 50. A lot of people come back and say it's, you know, they're on team monster, which I love. Or they're on team, uh, the monsters imaginary, which I'm also, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm down with whatever interpretation, uh, people have, which, but, but I love, I love when people believe in the monster. I think that's really great and exciting. Then I, I guess I broke the code. I figured out at the end of the movie, how the, um, the witch was making the kids movements with the hand. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ah, aha, now I see. <laughs> so, yeah. But I was convinced, like I said, it was really good. And I, I, I dude, if, if if you do make a sequel, I want to be the first to see it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, well, we, we do have a script and we're shopping it around right now. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. The next movie that's coming up is uh, an adaptation of, uh, of a video game called The Mortuary Assistant, which came out from Dread XP. So it's got kind of Evil Dead vibes. There is possession in it uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's an exorcism movie but there are there are demons in the in the story it takes place in a in a mortuary the main character is an embalmer and it ha and it reminds me a lot of the single location fighting off demons vibe of the evil dead which i find really exciting but the game was a big hit and uh and the sales agent of Slapface, uh epic pictures who own dread xp uh said hey you want to take a crack at this video game uh adaptation and i'm not a gamer which is so interesting you know it's like i i, I love stuff like silent hill but like uh um but yeah that's that's coming next you know so if slap base 2 is going to be in the works we'd have to come after mortuary assistant which i'm doing early next year okay that, that sounds great i mean um i know that most movies based on video games don't do so well but however, um, with your impressive resume, I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna do great. So yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I was prepared to turn the job down because so many of the adaptations of video games are like, it's like, what does this film want to be? It doesn't feel like a film. It feels like a thinly veiled version of the game. You know, it's like it's games are games and films are films, and the two things are very different. Uh, and and yet, when I watched the the playthrough of the game, I could see why they wanted to turn it into a movie. I was like, oh, this is actually. You know, it's there are a lot of films that are like that, like one night, terrible things happen, like movies like Ty West's House of the Devil uh, come to mind, where it's like a, a character trapped in a situation where like things are closing in <clears throat> on them. Uh, so once I once I saw the playthrough, I was like, oh, there is a movie in this. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not it's uh, it's it's uniquely able to jump from one to the other. And the game designer said you know it's like uh honor the game and stay in the world of the game but like be free to you know be free to make a movie which is very encouraging i just hope it's nothing like 
the movie House of the Dead based on that game because that Dude, was just... that is the worst of them all. <laughs> I mean, that movie is unwatchable. I mean, and they yeah, made a I, sequel I agree, too. I, I, I do agree with you. A lot of game adaptations, it's not like the 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 the, the thing that's wonderful about playing something like Silent Hill doesn't necessarily translate into the movies. Resident Evil has been trying for years and years to capture the feeling. And it's really hard, you know, but like, uh, um, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm up for the challenge and I'm curious. I think the fact that I'm not a gamer helps because I'm, you know, it's like, I, I don't feel any particular sense of, you know, like following a, a sense of gameplay. Like when you're a, viewer watching a movie it's an entirely different experience than when you're a player like living three-dimensionally inside of a game hey, as long as you have the vision the right actors and the right and the and the and the, the, the right writers it, it could be an outstanding movie you said it. so yeah you said it. so if you have those three elements that movie could go far like super far it could surpass all the other movies made based on video games and I have seen some horrible movies in my time, and that, that I won't give them maybe ten minutes of my time. Like, no, this is not happening. So- I know you can make a top ten <laughs> list of worst video game adaptations. Like Super Mario Brothers is also one of the worst defenders. It's unwatchably bad. It is. <laughs> it, oh my god, it's come nowhere close to the game. It really takes me off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge gamer. I've been playing games for a long time. But um, I'm more of the one-person shooter kind of first game, so yeah. You know, didn't John Carpenter say recently he wanted to do uh, like uh, he might come out of like he didn't say I'm going to come out of retirement to do this, but he said he would come out of retirement if he could do a Dead Space uh, film adaptation, which sounded really cool. I mean, like I, I, it would be nice to see John Carpenter do one more big film. Uh, but right now he seems half perfectly happy composing music for movies and stuff like that. So who knows? Yes, I would. If he does that, I would see it because I love John Carpenter. Oh, without a doubt, so, I've seen every John Carpenter. Yeah, I've seen all his movies. But I've seen most of them. So, yeah. um, besides Slapface, are there any other projects going on? Or besides the one you're the the, the, the the sequel and the one you just talked about, based are there any other films coming up that the audience could look forward to seeing? Yeah, I just speaking of John Carpenter, I just directed uh, Keith David in a movie called Don't Pick Up. So Keith David played Childs in The Thing, and he was Frank yes. and They Live with the memorable like yes. ten minute fight scene with the great Roddy, late great Roddy Piper. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just made a, a, a film with him uh, called Don't Pick Up, uh, where he gets to uh, show off his more sensitive side. Uh, Normally, Keith David these days has been standing in front of a map saying stuff like, you got 48 hours, gentlemen, 48 hours to contain the virus or whatever. Like, he's always an authority figure. And uh, I think the reason that we got him was he wanted to play someone who was a gentler, softer person. But Keith was incredible. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's weird, man. It's like, you know, when you meet your heroes, you know, you want so badly for them not to be an asshole. And uh, Keith David, like, I mean, just watching watching the thing when I was a little kid, it's like you just you love McCready, played by Kurt Russell, and you love Childs and you think they're such great characters. And, you know, once when we booked Keith David, I was like, please don't be an asshole. Please don't be an asshole. Uh, And he's a great actor, as we all know. You know, he shows up and is extraordinary. Like, he's so deep and so thoughtful. And then he was also an incredible guy. You know, it's like uh, like it was one of those really rewarding experiences where he was happy. He had a really beautiful time. He's really 
caring person. He cares deeply about the work, you know? So um, yeah, that's coming up. Like that'll be out next year is don't pick up starring Keith David. Hey, yeah. Speaking of um, childhood heroes, mine is Tony Moran who plays Michael Myers. Yeah. I'm a huge Michael Myers fan. I've always been a Michael Myers fan. I met him at the convention. I was volunteering and my job was to check wristbands to people who mm-hmm. come and go inside the convention. So I'm sitting down. He walks past me. He's like, the stop. I was like, sir, do you have a wristband? He turns around, looks at me. He's like, I'm a, uh, I'm a vendor. I was like, okay. So where's your vending badge? I didn't recognize him because I seen like <laughs> older pictures. I, I see older pictures of him because yeah. there's nothing new. And he's I'm like, well, where's your vendor badge, sir? He's like, well, it's at my table. I was like, well, you have to come back and show it to me so I can let you in or I have to escort to your table. He's like, I'm Tony Moran. And I just froze. I, I was starstruck. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And he's like, he's like, that's okay. I get all the time. Do you want a picture? Hell, yeah, I will take a picture with you. Beautiful, so man. That's that, great. Picture, that picture is on my wall, all with my Michael Myers stuff. And he signed my DVD that I brought with it. See, he's the whole reason I volunteered that day is to see Tony Moran. Yeah. So he saw my DVD, the inside and outside of the DVD, for free. That's outstanding, man. And then later on, because I was doing two days of volunteering, I went to the bar to get a soda. Um, and he sits down next to me. I'm like, holy crap, Tony Moran sitting next to me. This is weird. This is really, really weird. So he asked me, what are you drinking? I was like, no, just from a Coke. He's like, oh, well, you want a shot? I'm like, are you paying? He's like, yeah, I'm like make it a double. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. I mean, like, that is the wonderful thing about going to these, you know, these conventions. It's like you'll be sitting at the bar and you wind up sitting next to Tom Atkins from Halloween 3 or something like that, you know. And it's really, it's always really cool that, like, these icons are so accessible. And they're really cool, too. I mean, they're really laid back at these conventions and and they're all laid back and relaxed. And they would just, I went to one in Kansas City and I, um, James Duvall, who played Mm -hmm. Frank the Bunny. And yeah, Darko. I I talked to him about ten minutes just about that, that role, and we just did he, have good, did he have good stories. He did, but I can't remember. That was like twenty years ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, they're all laid back. I mean, Lou Temple. I talked to him for about ten minutes about his role in The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and Ken Foree by him being Day of the Dead. And all this. I talked to every single yeah, one. Yeah, I'd love to work with Ken Foree. It's like he's another hero. You know, it's like I from from his work with George Romero to the more recent stuff with Rob Zombie like he's just and from beyond the Stuart Gordon movie yeah. he's so great and uh yeah I mean I would really love to have the opportunity to work with him someday he's just a wonderful actor and from all I've heard he's a great guy he is he's he was he because I walked to this table and he, he I didn't know he was playing with me he's like what you looking at I was like, like what I do? I just walked up. He's like, I'm just playing with you, man. Calm down. <laughs> so, but he stood up. He's a really tall guy, too. He stood up. I was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, I know he's six foot six, probably, or something like that. He's like built like a football player. Yeah. But anyway, it's fantastic. Um, do I have any other movies you want to talk about when we have the time? or? Well, um, I don't know. You know, it's it was really i guess one of the interesting things about slap face is that we shot it before the pandemic you know so we didn't have to do all those like wear the mask type stuff that is all part of the union requirements now um and i was really glad because it gave us all something to do while we were in like i, I live in new york and once uh, once we were locked down it was like 
locked down hard. Uh, so editing the film like definitely gave us all something that was fun and enjoyable to do like during that weird time in all of our lives. Uh, and um, and we were fortunate that by the time we hit the film festivals, people were going back into movie theaters. So um, I was really happy that when we screened at Fright Fest in London, it was screening on an IMAX screen in front of an actual audience um, because that's what you want. You know, it's like you want people to actually you know I, I love the movie going experience and streaming is great and like you know certainly uh you know shutter has been great for you know getting a lot of movies out there in a streaming capacity more than i'd be able to see otherwise but like to have the opportunity to screen in front of an audience like you know in the uh once uh the world started opening back up again was one of the greatest experience uh better than i could possibly say but yeah you know it's um i'm happy the movie's out there and I'm excited to be working on these next couple projects and um, we'll see where it goes from there. Now, were there any big challenges filming this movie at all? Well, we had a, a, our lead actor was a child. We had a dog and a rat that get killed in it. So we did kids and animals, which is challenging. We had to shoot it in three weeks, which was really tough. Um, and with not a lot of money, you know, so, uh, so if you, if you <laughs> never work with kids and animals, uh even like even though the kid was great the animals were fantastic to uh to work with um i will you know like something that really did grease the wheels for us though that i would encourage filmmakers to do i was always inspired by how george romero was able to get like the actual police and the actual national guard and actual like paramedics and ambulances into his movies so my very smart producers went to the the police department uh, where we were filming and they said, Hey, we're filming in your area. Could we, um, you know, could we have access to like some police cars? And they're like, can we be in the movie? And then they were like, can you film a scene at the police station? You know, and they, and they all wanted to be in the movie and they, you know, and then they were like, we know some paramedics. Do you need some paramedics for the hospital scene? They can bring an ambulance by between six and seven o'clock. Uh, so I definitely encourage independent filmmakers to like, you know, like, meet like meet your local mayor meet your local city councilman you know meet your local sheriff and like uh and let them know what you're doing because we shot in fishkill new york which is not jaded cynical place they cared a lot and they were fun to work with it was a great town to film in and the police and the uh the local hospital and the city councilman were all so supportive uh and, you know, when you watch those George Romero movies, it's like, how the heck did he get all those cops in there? You know, in the, or how did he get all those ambulances and the crazies and all this other stuff? It's like he asked, you know, it's like filmmaking is a community effort. And if you if you ask people to help you, a lot of the time people will say, yeah, let's let's help these kids out. Uh, so I'm extremely grateful to the Fishkill Police Department in particular. Uh, because like there's a whole raid at the end of the movie with like a bunch of police cars and a bunch of cops charging towards the house. And that would not have been possible without the support of our of that local police department who cared about who cared about our movie. Uh, if you want to get a police car in your movie, go ask the local police and see if they'll help you. Wise words, very good wise words and great advice. So that would just sound like don't mind the kids screaming in the woods. <laughs> No, they were, they were helping. no the, the police would come by like when we were having on days they weren't even filming they would come by just to have breakfast and you know steal our coffee uh but uh <laughs> there was like one day where we had a problem we were filming you know we had a permit but we were along a property line and, and like a, a a dude came out basically saying get the hell off my property 
And uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to call the cops. And I was like, call them. And we, and you know, we, we let the police know as well. And they were like, Oh, ignore that guy. That guy's crazy. You know, do what you want. And it's like, you're, you're well within your rights. So, um, you know, it's, um, for all the reasons they were super helpful, but I learned that from George Romero, you know, he was, you know, he was such, he was so like, he didn't have a lot of money when he was making Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Martin and all these other things. But he was so good at basically he and his team would knock on doors and ask people for help. And how do you think they got all those zombies? You know, they got all those zombies by saying, hey, you want to be a zombie in a movie? It'll be fun. You know, and uh, and that's a good lesson to take from the late great Uncle George. Uh, George Romero was a great filmmaker, but he was also great at knowing that community is how you get these things made um and that stuff goes a lot i mean like uh you know like reaching out to the the people in your town uh will make the dollar stretch much further when you're doing a low budget horror film and it also makes your movie look really expensive when all those police cars swoop in at the end of the movie it's like right, looks, right. looks like a million bucks <laughs> and it was not it was through the goodness of the Fishkill police department and the kindness of the cops that were there to help us you hear that, public? You hear that? Get the police to help you. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. I really enjoyed them. You know, they were write really that fun. down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was like years ago. I was working on a, a horror movie, and the there was a whole bit where like uh, that there was a grave being dug in the backyard, and the neighbors called the police, and the police showed up, and they were here. You're burying a body, and we pointed to the camera and said, "No, we're just making a movie." And they're like, oh, okay. And then they left. And I was like, oh, if you really are hiding the body, just just have some lights and a camera. <laughs> maybe you'll maybe you'll get away with it. <laughs> it looked believable. That's all it takes, I guess. <laughs> Actually, it's no joke. You know, it's like uh, a special effects artist I know like took a bunch of photos of like fake dead bodies for a movie, and then emailed them to or. or texted them to who she thought was the producer, but accidentally texted them to just some civilian who didn't know what the hell was going on and saw oh, no. dead bodies on their phone. They immediately called the police and the police like drove right over to the special effects artist's house and were ready to arrest them. And they had to prove that they were a special effects artist and they weren't a murderer. So yeah, it's like, it, it's, I mean, it's all fun and games, but like, uh, it's also like, be careful out there, kids. Yeah, tread lightly. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Awesome. Very, very cool. Great stories. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate hey, you, you taking man. the time. And um, as a token of my appreciation, I would like, okay, let me rephrase that. I would love to give you a South Jersey Horror Podcast t-shirt. Hey, man, I would love that. I'm going to I'm gonna text you my address as soon as we're done here. And your shirt size. So because Yeah, you got it. <laughs> oh, man, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. No, thank you, because you're taking your time out. And I, I know you're a very busy individual. You have lots of stuff to do. And you you took the time out to talk to me about Slap Base, your upcoming projects, your past projects. And this, I'm, I'm going to cherish this interview, just to let you know. Thank so, you, man. And I'm going to post this on my YouTube channel immediately as soon as I'm done processing it and editing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, All right, um, Ben. Well, this was really great. I really enjoyed the conversation. And I look forward to the, the next bunch of actors and directors that you have on your show. Oh, thank you so much. And hopefully um, I might reach out to you to uh, to get some actors so I can interview. You got it, man. <laughs> so, all right. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Thanks you a lot, too, man. Jeremiah. Take care.